All right, well, bye. That's crazy. That was good. Y'all did great. Just for the record, it will not work out like that at all. Sydney will be, she'll be singing that song again in 30 years. Amen. Amen. Hey, um, how many of you think back for a second to the best teacher you ever had and the worst teacher you ever had? It's kind of crazy that y'all are here today because, you know, I wasn't planning on this. But the best teacher you ever had and the worst teacher that you ever had. You, You got it? Shouldn't take you too long. Maybe it was elementary school, maybe it was middle school, maybe it was college, high school, I don't know. The best teacher you ever had, the worst teacher. Let me ask you this question. Don't answer it out loud. Just think in your head, what made the difference? What made the difference? I can tell you what we think makes a difference, what we wish made the difference. It's stuff like this. Um, the way, the, the, their, their personality, she was so nice. But that's not really what separates good teachers from bad teachers. What separates good teachers from bad teachers is that the good ones have a way of connecting the dots for the students between what they're teaching and what they should do with what they're teaching. Does that make sense? I've had really bad teachers. I joke about calculus teachers all the time, right? Like, you know, calculus is a hard concept to get across. If you can't help students connect the dots, you're not going to be a good teacher. But the best teachers we've ever had had this ability to connect the dots. Matthew and Mark both record that Jesus was like that. Both times, both those, both those men, as they were writing what we know now as the book of Matthew, the book of Mark, as they were writing, they both said that crowds would be amazed when Jesus taught. And they would say this, he teaches as one who has authority, not like the teachers we have. So Jesus was a good teacher. They were a bad teacher. And what we typically think of is, well, if you teach with authority, it means that you have a really good vocabulary, I'm out. And you preach with a lot of volume. But that's not what made Jesus have authority. It wasn't about vocabulary or volume. It was about Jesus had this this way of, of taking earthly things and pointing out a heavenly truth that made people go, Oh, oh, yeah, and I know what to do with this now. The Pharisees, the people that taught in his day, they didn't have that ability. So they would just, they would just, they were like Charlie Brown's teacher, right? They would talk, and all people heard was wah 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 wah. But when Jesus spoke, that he connected the dots for them. He helped them see what to do with what he was saying. That's kind of what we're doing in this series. We're using common things to communicate uncommon truth. We're using the message of culture to, to speak a greater message to culture. We've just chosen Taylor Swift as our vehicle, right? So last week in the first, first week, we talked about her song, Shake It Off. We talked about how the world, the world tends to, the gospel according to Taylor Swift, tends to shake people off and then turn their backs on them. But the gospel according to Jesus is this, that Jesus... He he helps us to shake off the offenses, the attacks of people, but then yet still turn our hearts towards them. It's a greater message than the one that Taylor Swift sings about. We saw that in Acts chapter 28. Paul sticks his hand in the fire. A snake bites him. It's hanging on to him. And the Bible says he just shook it off into the fire. Man, God, that's what we need to do, isn't it? Just don't show me with your hands, okay? But how many of you this week were attacked more than any week prior to this week, right? And you're just like, dang, what he preached is real. I'm just, I'm just hanging out in Walmart and I'm getting bit by snakes. Like, it's crazy. I'm getting attacked left and right. 
And when we were learning, we got to shake that stuff off. Our propensity as humans is to hold on to that. Let the poison kill us. Taylor Swift had it right, like shake it off. But where she missed it was, well, I'm going to shake you off and I'm going to turn my back to you and never talk to you again. And Jesus said, no, no, you can shake it off because I paid for the sin on the cross. And you can actually turn to people and you can embrace them. It's a different gospel than the one that Taylor sings about. I said this last week, sort of big idea. Sometimes shaking off an offense is the best defense of the gospel. I had somebody come up to me after church and say, man, that kid was opening weekend in the NFL, and you had offense and you had defense. I was just waiting on you to have special teams. So here you go. Sometimes shaking off an offense is the best defense of the gospel. And when we do that, it makes the church a really special team. You're welcome. All right, it's just going to go downhill from here. Um, so we watched Sydney and Alice in Lip Sync, one of Taylor Swift's um, first songs, one of her first popular songs it's called Love Story. That's what we're going to talk about today. Um, I want you to turn to John chapter 4, just kind of while I set this up. We'll be in John chapter 4. The, I told you last week how much Taylor Swift's worth, $250 million. That's a ton of money, right? And the crazy thing is she got all that money because she sings about these kind of themes, right? Like here, this is a song about a love story. It's Romeo and Juliet, her take on it. Um, people can relate to that, right? Some of you right now are sitting a little closer to the person next that you came with, I hope, and you're just like, oh, that was sweet. You know, I'll be the princess and you'll be the elephant. We all knew that, right? (laughs) But here's the problem with Love Story, the song, and every Disney movie ever made, and I love Disney, right? But this is the problem with every Disney movie ever made. They simply just aren't real life. Let's talk about the gospel according to Taylor Swift. The gospel according to Taylor Swift, and then we'll be in John chapter 4. Uh, this, this is a really catchy song, this love story song. Basically, here's what it says. If you can find the right person, everything will be okay. If you can just find the right person, everything will be okay. So we spend time and money trying to do what they just sang about. And here's the proof, all the proof you need. Romance novels. Bring in more sales than mystery or sci-fi. It's a $1 billion a year industry. We spend $20 billion as a nation on Valentine's Day. Most of it on chocolate. Can I get an amen? (laughs) This blew my mind. The average courtship, and I have to define what they mean by courtship, right? But I'm going to just say courtship is when you meet a girl, when, when, you know, Romeo meets Juliet, and they start going to the movies, right? The average courtship will run you just under $24,000. Get a job, man. Stop playing video games in your parents' basement. Move out, get a job, and date somebody and spend $25K. American singles, American singles, I don't mean cheese, right? I mean Americans that are not married. American singles spend $82 billion a year on dating. And this blew my mind. Last year, the total amount of money lost in our country due to romance scams was $85 million. I think it averages out to $14,000 a person. Man, we as a nation, we are desperate for love. We're, We're desperate for the hope that we'll live happily ever after. And that desperation is making Taylor Swift a ton of money. It doesn't make her wrong. It doesn't make her bad. It just makes her somebody who's got her finger on the pulse of a nation. And so she's playing songs, and people are like, that's what I want. 
I want to meet Romeo. I want to find my Juliet. No guy says that, but you know, I don't think, I don't think I should have said that. It's not that she's bad, it's just that there's a market for it because the struggle for love is real. The fairy tale myth isn't, even though Swift and Disney sell it well. I love this picture. This is the real life of fairy tales. Finds a random corpse in the woods, kisses it, and that tells you everything you need to know about men. <laughs> Let's pray and go home, shall we? <laughs> so I know I'm sounding a little bit harsh. I'm sounding unromantic. Um, this is not a message about marriage or singleness. This is not about it's good to be married, it's bad to be single, or in some cases, it's good to be single, bad to be married. Um, this is not about that at all. This is about a message about one thing, that we crave love. I will go so far as to say that as a nation, we have fallen in love with love, Right? I think the, the stats I just read to you are, are obvious. Man, we love love. And it makes us desperate. And we're crazy for it. We'll look anywhere for it. So I want you to meet a woman in the Bible. I don't know if you knew that they had playlists in the Bible. But this woman in John chapter 4, if she had an iPod with a playlist, if she, had a, if she was connected to Apple Music, she had Taylor Swift playing all the time. This is the woman who is the perfect example of the end result of the gospel according to Taylor Swift. Somebody who has looked and looked and looked for love, can't find it. She keeps looking for Mr. Right. She keeps running into Mr. Wrong. Anybody here can relate to that? Don't point to the person that you actually married. I put this yesterday, like, they're, they're, her happily ever after has turned into happily never after. This is who we're going to meet in John chapter 4, okay? You didn't think there were Taylor Swift fans in the Bible, but here she is. I'm not going to read you the whole thing. Let's just start in, in, at the beginning of the chapter. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized both disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. So he's going on a trip. Verse 4. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to the town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, Sat down from the, by the well. It was about the sixth hour. I don't know. Anybody here tired? Did you catch that? Like, this has nothing to do with the message. I'm just like, you just need to know. Jesus was tired from the journey. And so if you're tired from the journey, you're pretty good company. Because, like, he's the son of God. And he's tired from a journey. He had to sit down by a well wanted some water. And, and while he's sitting by the well, a woman walks up. I'm not going to read you the whole thing. You can read it later on your own, John chapter 4. A woman walks up to the well. She's got a water pot, and she starts having a conversation with Jesus because he turns to her and says, hey, I'm thirsty. I'm tired. Could you get me some water while you're getting you some water? And they strike up a conversation. Here's what he learns about this woman. She's an outcast among outcasts. I mean, it's, it's one thing to be an outcast. It's another thing. I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm trying to make, make sure you get this, what I'm saying. Have you ever known somebody who was so much of a drunk that they were too much of a drunk to hang out with drunks? Like, you're a bad drunk when drunks don't want to be around you. You got a problem, right? When, when drunk people are saying, dude, something's wrong with you. <laughs> what? Right? It's like in the South, anybody that corrects anybody else's grammar. It's like, come on, what are we talking about? Nobody has good grammar in the South, right? Except for here. Okay, I get that. 
When you're so bad that the people that are bad say that you're too bad, man, you're messed up. This lady is jacked up. She's a Samaritan, which means she's hated. Jews hated Samaritans. This is worse than Duke, Carolina, right? They hated one another. And she was hated by the Samaritans. She's an outcast among outcasts. She's, she's tried to find love. She has played this song, Love Story, over and over and over again through her earbuds, trying to find the right man. And all she's found is five people who have divorced her. In that culture, she had no say over that. And to be, to, to be divorced was public humiliation. So here's a woman who's looking for love. She finds five supposedly Mr. Right, they turn into Mr. Wrong, and at the end of all that, she's so broken, she's given up on even trying to find Mr. Right, so she's just going to kind of shack up with Mr. Whoever. Because we find out in the story, she's been married five times, divorced five times, and Jesus says, and the dude that you're hanging out with now, not even your husband. This is the end result of the Taylor Swift gospel. People who are hungry, who are thirsty. I know she went there to get water because she was thirsty and needed water to drink, but she had a deeper hole than that. She was hungry to be loved. She was hungry to find her happily ever after. And she couldn't find it. Remember that amazing teacher? Remember the one that helped you connect the dots? My best teacher was Mrs. Christopher at Wingate University. I didn't just like her because I made an A++++ literally on the final exam. I liked her because she made American literature come alive. And that's, that's doing something, isn't it? I mean, like, American lit? Like, like, people write poems about walking in woods. You're like, dude, what are you doing? Are you hunting? I mean, are you something? No, just walking in woods looking at trees. Oh, I'm out. She made that exciting. She, she, we could read stories, and she would, like, bring stories from way back and make them relevant to today. She, she connected the dots, and it, she was amazing. What, what you need to see in, in this chapter is that Jesus was that teacher for this lady. He connected the dots. Their, their conversation was all over the place. Here's just some of the themes. I don't know how your conversations go, you know, but here's how his went with this lady. Just Here's four themes that he touched on in one conversation, probably a five-minute conversation. They talked about racial tension, religious tension, relationships, and worship. Like, when's the last time you bumped into somebody in the aisle at Walmart and those four things came up in your conversation? Because usually it's just like, dude, I'm just looking for the toilet paper. Uh, is there cheese on sale? I'm, I'm yeah. trying to find school supplies. Uh, what's the best Halloween candy? We're never, you know, like not bumping into people and talking about racial tension, religious tension, relationships, and worship. But that's what came up in this conversation. And in verse 26, Jesus connects the dots. She's all over the place. She's fragmented. She's got stuff all over the place. She's, her life is so jacked up. She's talking to this man, giving him something to drink. And he says to her, like, if you just knew who you were talking to, I think something could change for you. She said, oh, no, no, I know about the Messiah. And we talk, we talk about him all the time. Again, like, let's talk about the worship stuff. I go to church, dude. And it's a Samaritan church. We're not like you Jewish people. We have fun. But I go to church. And we talk about the Messiah all the time. And when he shows up, he's going to explain everything. That's what she said in verse 25. When the Messiah shows up, 
He's going to be the teacher we've always heard about, and he's going to explain everything. And everything we're talking about in my life, like I don't know really where to worship. I can't find a man. I, I don't like your race. You don't like my race. None of this stuff makes any sense. i got dots all over the place. But when he shows up, he's going to connect all of those dots. He's going to be the best teacher I'll ever meet. And in verse 26, Jesus simply said this, I who speak to you am he. That one sentence brought all of those dots together in her life. And she's like, I don't know how you would say this in her language, but she was like, oh, snap. And it revolutionized her life. After promising her living water that would forever quench her thirst, Jesus simply tells her that he is the one she's been looking for. I don't know how to tell you this without sounding cheesy and churchy and all that stuff, but, and this is a weird example, I, I was crazy about a girl when I was younger. It was not Wendy. I'm so glad I met Wendy. But this girl that I just thought my life would be complete if I could date her. And, and I remember she said this to me one time, because I must have come across like, you know, just like tongue hanging out, totally desperate, single dude, you know. And she said these words to me, I've never forgotten them. They are weird, but hang with me. She goes, you know what you need? And I said, you. <laughs> that didn't work. She, <laughs> she said, no, no, no. Jesus needs to be your girlfriend. And I went, wait, <laughs> time out. You are whack. <laughs> what, Jesus needs to, what? And she said, Jesus needs to be your girlfriend. Um, okay, okay. through you is what you mean, right? Like, through you, he'll be my girlfriend. We're going to date, and through you. And she said, no, 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 you need to fall in love with Jesus. Because if you don't fall in love with Jesus, no girl's going to satisfy you. And I'm not going to be the girl that doesn't satisfy you. You know what this woman at the well found? That only Jesus satisfies. See, the gospel according to Taylor Swift is, if you can just find a man... Maybe not the one you've tried, but if you can just find a man, keep looking. He's out there somewhere. If you can just find him, everything will be okay. But what we know about the real life version is that when we try to find him, what it leaves us is thirsty, at a well, broken, fragmented life, given up on finding that man. And I'm not trying to be too personal in your stuff, but some of you are there. You are looking for love everywhere. You lay up at night going, will I ever meet her? Will I ever meet him? And you have got to hear the gospel according to Jesus. When he looks at you and says, I who am speaking to you am the man you've been looking for. Jesus has got to become your girlfriend. The gospel according to Jesus is this. Only he satisfies. See, the thing about Taylor Swift, and this is what we'll see last week, this week, and we'll see it again next week, is that the gospel according to Taylor Swift, the reason it sells so much is because she's not a bad person. She's right to a point. We all want to be loved. We all want to find love. And all that's true, and you shouldn't feel bad about it. Like, when we read stats, like, you know, if you're, if you're sitting there going, well, dang, like, I joined Match.com. Does that make me bad? No, it makes you like 
a normal person who wants to find love. And that's what God, that's what she sings about. And it's all true. But where she misses it is she's convinced that that kind of love is down here on earth. And it's not. It's in heaven. And he came to us to love us like that. No one needs a fairy tale when you can actually have a real love story. The gospel is this. Jesus wants you. He wants the broken you. And his love can heal you. Listen, if man or woman, right, you're sitting here today and you're broken over love. And if you're married and you're broken over love, I mean, there's hope for that too, right? This isn't about just single people. This is about Americans. This is about humans looking to be loved. If you're broken, if you read this and you're like, dude, you're preaching right at me about a woman at a well in Samaria. You know what I love? My favorite verse in the entire chapter of John, John chapter 4, is verse 4. Because it says this about Jesus. Now he had to go through Samaria. Like, do you get that? I mean, we don't like drama, do we? We run from drama. People that are into drama, we're like, she's a drama queen, leave her alone. Right? When your kids are being dramatic, you say, go to your room. The show's in your room, not out here, right? I didn't buy a ticket for this, out of here. We don't like drama. Jesus loves drama. Jesus knew drama before TNT knew drama. Jesus loves drama. He loves it so much that he knew that there was a broken woman who was jacked up trying to find the perfect man because she had Taylor Swift on her playlist, and she was going to be at a well in Samaria. And Jesus said, dude, I've got to go to Samaria. His disciples are like, what? Like Samaritans? Like Jesus, we love you. And I think loving you allows us to hate them. We don't like them. He's like, you don't have to come with me, but I have to go to Samaria. Think about what we really want. And I'm talking mostly to women now because guys don't think like this. But suck it up, guys. You're the same way. We all want to be pursued. Don't we? We, we, play, we play hard to get games, you know. We act all coy. Even men, it's, it's fun to watch, watch guys. They're just like, they're just acting like they don't know she's checking them out. But he's like. You know, it's like, come on, man. Like, don't do that. You'll lose her. Everybody wants to be pursued. Please, please get this, okay? We're getting ready to wrap this up. Please get this. The God of the universe pursues you. He pursues the worst you. He pursues the broken you. He had to go to Samaria. He had to go meet this woman. He had to. It wasn't an option for him. He is drawn to your brokenness. He is so much better than Prince Charming or Romeo. He is more than the soulmate you're searching for. He is the lover of your soul. He actually heals your soul so that you have a soul for someone else to love. That's how great Jesus is. Here's your big idea today. I'll give you a couple statements you can jot down as we're closing. This is your big idea. The key to being in love is being loved by the king of love. The key to being in love is being loved by the king of love. Um, 
just jot down 1 John 4.19. You'll talk about this passage a lot in community group this week. 1 John 4.19. It says this. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. Like it's not even possible. And, and some of you are young. You're starting to meet people. You're thinking about marriage. You're newlyweds. And, and, and it's so exciting to be in love. And so you'll fall for this lie that that's, all the, that's, all the, that's what it's all about. So let's never let this passion die. Let's never let this fire die. Let's do all we can to keep it alive. And what you forget is the only way to let love die on a horizontal level is to disconnect from the only supply of love that comes vertically. We only can love because he first loved us. Man, when you meet Jesus and he loves you for who you are, you don't have to start looking for the right person because you'll be the right person. Maybe you're here this morning, you're looking for water, you're looking for love, you got th- you're thirsty. Um, you ever, do you have people in your family that give you those stupid birthday candles that you can't blow out? Do you have those people? Do you just want to, like nothing takes a party and turns it into, I want to punch you in the face faster than that. It's like, why would you do that? And it seems like the older we get, so we have less oxygen and less power behind it, the more they want to put on our cake. Here, Grandpa, 70 candles that will kill you before you get them out. What is up with us? You're like, you blow and you blow and, you, and they will not go out. Like, have you ever just wanted to like just go? <laughs> I mean, you would be eating the whole cake. It would be all yours. No one else, right? No one else is eating the cake. It's crazy. So we blow and we blow and we blow. We cannot get them in. And when we find them, they're out. We're like, yes. And then we see the little glow, the little bitty glow on the wick. And we're like cursing in our head but saying stuff like, oh, fudge sickle, you know. Man. It's futile, isn't it? That's how this woman felt. It's just for a, I don't think you have to try hard to put yourself in her shoes, but can you put yourself in her shoes? Rejected five times? Rejected so many times that you've given up trying to not be rejected? So now we're just going to live together because maybe it won't hurt as bad when he leaves? It won't, won't be as public? And in the middle of all that frustration, trying and trying and trying, to, to fill this void, a man steps in. His name is Jesus. You've heard of him because you've been in church or you've been a neighbor to somebody who goes to church or you saw um, a Mexican waiter named Jesus and that was enough to remind you. And yet you're like, wait a second. I don't, I've never really experienced this kind of love. Something about Jesus that connects the dots for me. This morning you're here, and, and you're feeling that. God, I want that kind of love. I want that. What I, I want you to notice about this woman is that when, when Jesus connected the dots in her life, when he looked at an outcast of outcasts who was empty, and he spoke to her, I'm the man you're looking for, He so filled her up that in verse 28, you can read it later for yourself, she ran back to town to tell all the people that rejected her what was happening in her life. And do you know what she did not take with her? Her water jug. 
because she didn't need it. She was full. And the thing she came to get, she was like, I don't need to chase that anymore. I've met a man, and he has filled me up. And she went back and told these people, and I don't know what happened between her leaving the well and getting back to her town and the way she talked to those people, but there was something different about her because this was a woman that had been rejected five times, was cast out by these outcasts, and they would not give her the time of day, but she had enough influence that everybody she told, the Bible says, they all came out to meet this man. You want to have the kind of love story that will do more than just sell millions of dollars worth of copies. You want to have the kind of love story that will actually create in other people a desire to meet the person that loves you like that. Fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus and let his love change the world through you. Everyone wants to be in love. But Jesus wants everyone to be loved by him. Because he knows the power of his love. Taylor Swift understands that we need to be loved, but only Jesus truly knows how to love us. And I love this. I think we had this up on on the slide. You can jot this down. Because the heart is a hole that can't be filled or it's a reservoir that can't be emptied. And Jesus is what makes the difference. Your heart is either a hole that can't be filled. And that woman, you see at the beginning of John 4, her heart was a hole that could not be filled. And by the end of her encounter with Jesus, her heart was a reservoir that could never be emptied. Jesus makes all the difference. The key to being in love is being loved by the king of love.